And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Until Saturday, the Texas fight song, the eyes of Texas are upon us. Um, I am in Birmingham, Alabama. Thank you so much for your patience and and sticking with us. The uh, press box at the Alabama Bryant Denny Stadium is not open late enough, so I had to do the drive back to Birmingham. Um, so happy to be back with you, Dave. Jam packed day of college football. Um, it is, you know, so long of a day, even that I forgot to introduce everybody. So I'm Ari Wasserman. I'm here with Dave Ubbin. Uh, we come here every Saturday night. Uh, some weekends will unfortunately be a little bit later than others. This is one of the, the later ones. Um, but I just saw Texas beat Alabama, and I think that's something to to talk about. And we'll get into that. So first, I just want to make sure um, to all you until Saturday listeners to be sure to follow the podcast on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast. Drop us a five star review uh, and leave a question with that review, and we will answer it on the show if it is indeed a five star. Uh, subscribe to the Until Saturday YouTube channel if you're watching with us right now, and if you're listening, the link to the YouTube channel can be found in the show's description. We will be live every Thursday for picks uh, every Saturday night or Sunday morning in some cases um, to break down the Saturday games. And then of course the emerging star of the, of the feed Sunday sound off uh, on Sunday uh, before the night game of the NFL. Uh, now's your chance to leave a voicemail or text until Saturday at the phone number three, one, six, four, six, two, nine, eight, five, two. This is probably a pretty big voicemail week. Uh, if you oh, want to, yeah. you, know, you know, get your, uh, thoughts off. We want you on the show. I think it's been a resounding success so far, Dave, hearing people's voices and shit, man, I'm just ready to get into it. I, I don't know about you, but, um, uh, you know, I wrote my story that, you know, Texas isn't back. They're just really good, you know? And, uh, uh, the one takeaway that I do have is there is a resounding amount of hate towards Texas, even after beating Alabama 34 to 24, uh, still not a lot of believers. Uh, I think, you're probably not one of those believers too. You're still waiting for them to trip up in the big 12, but the team that I saw in Tuscaloosa on Saturday evening was a complete team who uh, got punched in the mouth late in the game, uh, mm-hmm. fought back Quinn Ewers looked much better. Deep balls were connecting. The receiver talent was uh, remarkable. No sacks allowed tackle play on the offensive line was great. Defensive linemen uh, got in Jalen Milrose face consistently. They were flying to the ball. They were hitting hard. And you know what? Maybe they'll lose to Kansas State or Texas Tech or, or Kansas. One of the other There's teams. a lot of candidates Kansas out there. Whatever. Right? Uh, but this team right now uh, needs to be taken seriously and at least hopefully temporarily, you know, got some respect from at least you, David Ubbin. Well, Ari, I think ultimately when you look at Texas coming into this game, I thought they were going to fight Alabama to a draw on the lines of scrimmage and win because they were better at the skill positions. I didn't think Alabama was going to be able to score. They won the battle on the line of scrimmage. Still hard to believe, isn't ball. it? <laughs> Not really, because I've been saying all, all offseason. Yeah. I don't believe in this Alabama offensive line. Now, the no sacks on Quinn Ewers, I think, is very surprising. And that, to me, is what made me perk up. 
You know, Texas didn't run the ball great tonight, but they ran it well enough. Quinn Ewers made enough throws to win. But Texas let a lot of, let a lot of opportunities get away. They should have won this game by more than they did. But they were clearly the better team. They won it on the line of scrimmage. They had better skill position talent. Steve Sarkeesian coached an unbelievable game. Aggressive, creative, kept Alabama on their toes, kept the pass rush at bay. A fantastic performance in every way from Texas. There's nothing you can say about what Texas did tonight, um, you know, except for maybe the red zone execution there. That 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 leaves you questioning. It's just if this Texas team shows up every week, that's a playoff team, Ari. I think that the the, the 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 task for the next what two months is making sure that those that's the team that shows up every week. You know, Dave, when I said before the year started that I thought that Texas was a playoff team, that is the team that I envisioned. Yeah. Now, if they come out and they lay an egg and they stink against Kansas, they won't have played the way that they played this evening. So I'm not some sort of mastermind prognosticator. I can't get out in front of it and say that that's not going to happen again. But I also find it to be a little bit disrespectful that you're like, not you, but people in general are just anticipating them falling on their face when at least they should have earned some of the benefit of the doubt, because this is a very different football team. It's a two prong thing though. It's we've seen this from Texas, really talented Texas teams and Sark at Washington and, and USC for better or worse has not had a team that showed up for 12 consecutive weeks and didn't lose a game that they weren't supposed to lose. So it's this is also it's the first time things. that Steve Sharkeesian has won a game against the top five opponents since 2009. Sure. He's now two and seven in his career. Um, you know, I think drawing parallels to things in the past can often make sense. I think oftentimes it's not real analysis. And that was kind of the pregame preseason analysis on my part of just like, this is a complete football team that went on the road and beat Alabama. Let me tell you what I was thought was most impressive when I was at the game Um, at the end of the third quarter, I believe it was uh, Alabama took the lead. And despite the fact that Texas seemed to be dominating the game, uh, Alabama went into the lead and then that thought process, you know, in the press box, people were cracking jokes about it. It was kind of just like the here we go moment again. Here we go again. Texas is going to blow it. They can't close all that stuff. And then Quinn Ewers, uh, I think it was a four or five play drive. Uh, down the field, touchdown right back at him to take the lead again. I think it was three again. plays, wasn't it? It was three plays. Uh, and then on the following possession, Jalen Milrow throw one of the most uh, mind-boggling interceptions of my life well, that I've seen. Texas and then they scored again. Open, to be fair, Ari. He was. And then, but they took the, the game back. And then even mm-hmm. then, Alabama scored again uh, to get within three. And then... Um, A.D. Mitchell, 39-yard pass. I thought Quinn Ewers is – I was in the press box, and it's like the perfect view length, but that first touchdown throw that he threw, I believe it was the Xavier Worthy for uh, 44 yard yards. Ball. Yeah. That ball, I think, went over the stadium and then landed directly in the bread basket. And yeah. it's like, you know, here are all the criticisms, and I think I wrote this in my column, but the criticisms are Steve Sarkeesian can't win the big game, right? Their quarterback. I wouldn't hasn't say so much that anything. as much as as much as every week. Can you do but it every you're, week? You're That's making parallels. Question. You're making parallels to past <clears throat> Texas teams when I don't remember the last time they went and beat Alabama. I'm just road. saying. I think it's. I think it's not the hardest thing in the world to win ten games at USC and Washington, and he, he wasn't able. He was not able to do that. That's my only point. I but think this team is always, good enough to do it. Always look at what happened so far and at least acknowledge that this is a different trajectory of a team than the ones that we're comparing them to. So again, 
you know, thinking about whether or not they're going to lose to a to a random Big 12 team, obviously that's on the table. Actually, ironically enough, I think that they could still do that and make the playoff now with the Alabama yeah, cachet in the hat and they I mean, can I win think, the yeah, Big that's, 12. That's a um, big resume check there. And I do think that there are certain, you know, Florida State had it some last weekend. Um, you know, you see it in playoff games all the time, but there's a certain intensity and speed that certain teams play with that is just a different level or a different echelon than other really good teams. And I think that Texas displayed that this evening. And, you know, at the very least, you know, a lot of the comments on my stories are, you know, who's going to be more insufferable, Texas or Ari? And, you know, everybody's <laughs> tired of the, you know, Texas discussion. But like at the very Texas least, didn't do a lot this, of victory lap. They were, they were, they seemed pretty chill. And I'm not even, I don't even want to do a victory lap. It's not, I haven't won anything. I didn't play in the game, I didn't win. But at the very least, when a team goes on the road and beats Alabama and basically, you know, out physicals them on both sides of the ball. Yes. Um, I think that they at least deserve the weekend before all the bullshit of, um, you know, they're going to suck or they always stink. And it's just like what? Like everyone's like the hype train left. It's like they just beat Bama. That's the exact opposite of hype. That's results. Results mm-hmm. happen tonight. And wherever you stand on Texas. You know, I think that they deserve that respect for at least the weekend. So that said, Dave, I'll, I'll counter this briefly. All right. They have people's respect. I don't think they have people's trust in the same way that Alabama and Georgia, that, you know, they're not going to come out and lay a lay, lay an egg that makes you say, what the heck was that? That's the I, issue. Just I think they have respect. They just don't have trust. We got a graphic up here that our wonderful producer Camelina did for us. 349 passing yards, touchdowns for three, uh, and completion percentage of 63% for Quinn Ewers tonight. Both, uh, or two of the three touchdowns came from 20 yards out. I thought his deep ball looked improved. And you know what I think the best thing about Quinn Ewers is? And I know Sam Khan, our colleague, wrote about him tonight. I haven't read that yet because I was in traffic. But, um, you know, Alabama's defense is nasty. They are. They're nasty. They looked good. And they got after the quarterback today. And Quinn Ewers did not flinch. He stood in the pocket. You know, I thought that Steve Sarkeesian did a wonderful job of, you know, these a lot of these screens, a lot of these flats throws that, you know, went for six, seven yards. You know, they they timed the offense perfectly of when to take their shots. But I thought Quinn Ewers did a pretty good job of, you know, kind of just standing into that pocket there, um, watching those uh, freaks come at him and like kind of staying in there. And I, I don't know if this was like, the haha uh Quinn Ewers has arrived officially moment, but I thought he played a hell of a game. And the best part about his game is that he didn't turn the ball over. Um, so that to me is okay. I think we're we're in a position now where, you know, we have a new I mean, Florida State's, you know, out there now. We got Texas out there. You know, obviously um other teams are gonna, you know, be in the mix. Michigan's in the mix, Ohio State to a certain extent, even though I thought they looked very boring yet again on Saturday. They're in the mix. Mm-hmm. George is in the mix. Uh, it'll be cool to see if there's some new blood. But Dave, you know, I got some flowers tonight, you know, because Texas won. Um, <laughs> oh, by the way, I want to tell you this before I, I change. This is the perfect segue. Yeah. I was walking into the stadium, minding my own business, trying to. F- by the way, <laughs> Tuscaloosa today really showed out. Um, I've been to a lot of big time games. There was a sea of people from the parking garage across the street to the entrance. I couldn't even navigate. It was so packed. The stadium was loud, all those things. Um, But I was walking in through that crowd, and some guy goes, Ari, Ari. (laughs) 
quit hating on Bama. You know what? Tell Ubin to stop hating on Bama. Tell Ubin. <laughs> tell Ubin to stop. And I was like, it's funny. I was like, I'm not the one who's been hating on Alabama. That's Dave Ubin. Some call it uh, hate. I, some call it coaching analysis. That's all I'm saying. But I do think that, you know, a lot of the things that you were saying in the preseason that got some negative reaction came true tonight. Yeah, they don't have the receivers. And Jalen Milrow is a very gifted runner, but he is who we thought he is. He's a limited passer, and, and he does not fit the mold of any of the quarterbacks that we've seen Alabama thrive with in its, you know, smash and pound era where if a guy's open, they're going to hit him. Or in their, you know, air raid era with Bryce Young and Tua and Jalen Hurts and all those guys. So, like... You know, Jalen Miller is a really good player, and I think he would fit. But for what Bama wants to do, they don't have the offensive line to use him in the way that I think would be most effective. Because you saw when he gets the corner and his legs are a threat, Texas is secondary freaked out, and he was able to make some really good throws. Um, but he's not the guy that's just going to sit back in the pocket. You know, we talked about this on Thursday. I compared him to Anthony Richardson, that if you can limit his legs, keep him reined in. And Texas did a pretty good job of that, spying him, um, not letting him just run wild on you. Then you're going to be okay if you say, hey, we're not going to let you run for 180 yards on us. You're going to have to beat us with your arm. And they did that. And I think you combine that with the fact that Alabama's receivers – aren't very good at getting open. We saw that all last year with Bryce Young, who was good enough to stand in the pocket and hit them when they were open. Another struggle against a good defense to get open. And there wasn't a lot of space there. And he struggled when they made him throw the ball. I mean, you know, I wasn't surprised. I've been saying this, you know, for the entirety of the offseason that I just did not love this Bama team because for what college football is in 2023, they're poorly suited when they go up against these teams that can match them in athletes. And we saw that tonight. And for a while there, they were kind of holding Texas's offense at bay <clears throat> and the ground and pound thing was kind of working. But I kind yeah. of felt like every single throwing play that Alabama called in that game felt the same. Jalen Milrow got the Milrow got the ball. He dropped back. Texas pressured the hell out of him. He stepped yeah. up in the pocket or he evaded to the side. He ran. Sometimes he picked up eight yards. Sometimes he picked up two, but it was kind of like one Mississippi, two Mississippi, then take off. And that you're not Bryce Young. And, you know, there are things that he did, you know, there in the fourth quarter or that drive in the third quarter when they marched down the field and scored a touchdown. Yeah. You know, he did a really good job. I don't think that he's bad by any stretch of the imagination, but the consistency when you're playing against another elite team, like that's going to work a lot in the sec versus the teams that they're playing. Uh, but it's not going to work against teams that are actually suited to, to be on the indoor dome stage in, in January. Well, the issue is this, it's not that he can't make some great throws. That touchdown throw to Jermaine Burton was unbelievable. Was that was a great yeah. throw. He can make some good throws. The issue is, when you've got a wide-open receiver like he had on that back, I'd have to see if he was going to score. But that wheel route to the back yes, that he had. Yes, yes, you can't miss that wheel When you route. have a wide-open yep. throw, can you hit that 95% of the time? And the great quarterbacks do. And I just don't think he's that guy. He's not going to be that guy every single throw. I just don't know that you can develop the kind of accuracy that you need to, to, to be the kind of guy that can take Alabama to a team that, that wins – you know, that that wins the West, wins the SEC, gets the playoff. I, I don't see it this year. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. You know, it's two sports writers and a podcast when it's just Marriott artwork <laughs> in the background. Uh, <laughs> yes. But, so are you – do you think Alabama – I got two questions for you now. Okay. One – well, there were times in the second quarter in this game, Dave, where I was like, I wonder if they're going to um, think about going to a different quarterback. Because Nick Saban, Saban said has, they thought about it. He said they considered you know, have, it. Have, have done that in the past. Uh, but two, <clears throat> are they cooked now in your mind as the national <clears throat> championship contender? Like, did you get confirmation enough I mean, to, to give up on them? I mean, is it impossible? No, they're still got really good athletes, right? And and maybe they figure something out. Maybe the offensive line improves. I mean, you'd have to see something very, very different. Um, I mean, I think this starts in the offensive line again. But I don't think the offensive line is good enough to be the the kind of offense that they're going to have to be to utilize Milrow and score the amount of points that they're going to need to score to win the SEC, to win a playoff game, to win a national championship. So this is why I thought Alabama was going to be 9-3. and three. I, I said I think they're going to go 9-3 and three all offseason, and I said I think you know certainly it's possible that they just go on a revenge tour, but it's going to have to be a bunch of guys that are popping and surprising you and showing you why they were five-star recruits. I didn't see that tonight, Ari. I watched them play. The defense was really good, but I watched that offense. You know, I think Kobe Prentice is a nice player. But I didn't see, you know, Jace McClellan is who he is. He's not Derrick Henry. He's not, uh, you know, uh, Najee Harris. He's a good back, but he's not a game breaker. And they do not have game breakers on offense. And these are the kind of games that those guys pop. And we didn't see that. Texas will be favored in every game that they play for the remainder of the year. I think Xavier Worthy is an absolute dog who's going to be awesome in the NFL. What game would they be a dog in? Uh, I mean, we'll see LSU. We'll see. I mean, the remainder of the regular season schedule. Yeah, but they still got LSU. Texas is playing LSU. Oh, I'm not talking about. I thought you said oh, Alabama was. Sorry, be, no, Texas will definitely. No, be no, no. Texas will be. Texas favored. might be sorry, favored by sorry. double digits against about in every game. Um, yeah. Xavier Worthy is an absolute dog. Um, Quinn Ewers took a huge step forward. Uh, the offensive line allowed zero sacks. The defensive line got constant pressure on Milrow. Um, I thought their defensive backs did a pretty good job. Like I like this Texas team uh, in a way, maybe even more so. You know, confirming what I thought before. But you know, that's a, it's a really, really, really big win, and certainly excited to track this. So um, you know, the first fifteen minutes of the show was dedicated to Texas. I encourage you to go to the Athletic and read my column if you're into that sort of thing. And if you just want to comment. Hey, Ari, enough of your crap, then you can join the party. <laughs> hey, all it took uh, all, for Texas to be back was sacrificing one mullet, Ari, and here we are. Yeah, well, the thing about it is is that they're, they're – let's let's cut the crap with the back stuff and just acknowledge <laughs> that they're very good. Yeah, when they're If they make the playoff, then we can say that they're back. Uh, but I think the Steve Sarkeesian 
um, earned a lot of credit tonight in my book yep. anyway. And uh, great coach game. Yeah, I thought he he was in his bag. So again, if you have a Texas thought or an Alabama thought, uh, or you're the fan that stopped me on the way in. Thank you so much for listening to the show. It means a lot to me, yeah. and I loved hearing what you had to say. But if you want to talk to Dave, you want to leave a comment, it's the perfect time, 316-462-9852 to leave a voicemail. I think tomorrow they're going to be popping. Um, and, of course, the one thing I wanted to remind everybody of is to sign up for the Until Saturday newsletter. Uh, you'll get your daily fill of college football news right in your inbox. Uh, the link to that is also in the show's description, and you don't have to be a member or signed up with The Athletic to receive that. Um, so, to be sure to check that out now. Okay, Dave, where are you? I am I think in they know. Denver, Colorado. Uh, I, Ari, I want you to know, never say I didn't do anything for you. I was up this morning at about 6.15 a.m. Mountain Time. We're at 12.30 a.m. Mountain Time right now, and I have a 3.45 mm-hmm. a.m. wake-up call for a flight back home. Ari, I stayed up for you for this conversation. What kind we- of psychopath would create like, is this is like, what, what, why is your flight leaving at six in the morning, Dave? I wanted to get home to my Does child. I have to leave at 6am. I get home at one thirty in the afternoon. What good uh, is it so going to do to get home to your child at one thirty when you're absolutely <clears throat> fried in a broken version of yourself? Just be an well, adult and sleep till 10 and so get a, we'll be, get a, we'll <laughs> get a noon flight. It's like a normal person. I did do I don't a, I don't I feel do bad a 9 a.m. last time, I think, uh, when I was coming back from Texas. There are certain ages or things that you get to, like, in your life where you're just like, unless you have an absolute deadline for something, like, the 6 a.m. flight should just be, you're, you're an adult. Just, you know, there's no reason <laughs> to break your back. You take a 6 a.m. flight when you're 22 because you can't afford the better time windows. Like, I mm-hmm. understand that. And if you have a business meeting or you're traveling for work. Uh, it's one thing, but to get two hours of sleep for for no reason is just that's on you, pal. I don't feel Fortunately, bad. Fortunately, I can I pr- sleep on planes. So we'll be we'll be all right. On okay, yeah, you're, right. you're one of those. Do you take your shoes off too before the flight takes off, and then wiggle your toes off. together? No, I go full yeah. shirt off. Just go down to the box of briefs and and bring a blanket on, and and we go full bedtime. Ari, we go full. Bedtime. So, Colorado, Dave won in a different mm-hmm. way today. Um, it Butt looked like for a while there, technical term. Yeah, yeah, it's, it was an ass whooping. I thought that Nebraska in the second quarter at least had a chance to win that game because they were running the ball very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I thought maybe, you know, as the game went on, it's kind of the same thought process as last week that Nebraska would be able to wear down that defensive line and actually get some stuff on offense. And then they just were the ultimate peak version of bad Nebraska. I mean, and, it's then, crazy. and then Colorado, too, also took advantage of those things. But it's a two pronged uh, question here, I guess. We'll, we'll focus on Colorado. Uh, but I do think that there's a small Nebraska discussion about just like how can a team be so terrible at everything all the time over constant uh, coaching changes, we, uh, you know, regime changes, different players, four turnovers, four for 13 on, on third downs, uh, two sacks. Um, Sims fumbled the ball twice, uh, four interceptions through the first two games. They direct snapped the ball into a person who was in motion. They Doinked a short field goal off the up upright. Um, it just like is just a for a lot of that. It was term, fine, it's just I like thought. a it's a clown show. It's like yeah. what I thought this was the exact opposite of what would happen with rule. But first, yeah, um, I think we have a, a clear and identifiable uh, way of viewing this Colorado team, and it's just that they're they're very good. Um, yeah, I think above that's what average, we have to f- and that's what it is. <clears throat> I think that that's that's you know. I, 
last week you could you could still say, well, you know, we don't think TCU is good. I personally do. I think TCU is still really good. I think TCU played really badly last week, but I think they're still going to be a top twenty-five team when all said and done. You know, if you still wanted to be, you know, the Colorado hater or whatever after week one, you you probably could. There, you had enough, you know, reason to say, well, you know, Colorado, mm-hmm. you know, stole some points and blah blah blah, and you know, whatever. I think Colorado's just just a good team. You know what good teams do is they beat the crap out of bad teams. And Nebraska is a bad team right now. And Nebraska, I mean, and Colorado beat the crap out of them. Now, ultimately, the question is how good is this team? I'm excited to see them with a couple measuring stick games. You get Oregon on the road. You get to host USC. I will be at both of those. Um... I don't know that we're going to learn much with game day in town next week uh, for, for Colorado State and big new kickoff who already announced they're going to Illinois and then bailed on Illinois and flipped to Colorado. I wonder why that happened to be a rat. Well, still, I mean, it's not like they, it's not like they didn't entertain the fact that Illinois could lose to Kansas, but then they're not even broadcasting that game. ESPN has that game and it's a 10 p.m. kick and Fox is still following Colorado for a third consecutive week. So. You know, Fox, uh, they're on the moneymaker right now, but uh, they're just good. And I, I i don't know how good, you know, you you threw out eight wins last week. I think that probably sounds about right. And I, I did. I did not get to answer, ask a question. The Dion Presser today, but I did. I was curious because he kept saying this team is not scratch the surface of what they're capable of. I'm very curious what he thinks they're capable of. You know, or, or you know, if he's sitting there, is he going to say, hey, we can win a national championship. We can win the Pac-12. I think they're talking about that in really explicit ways among themselves and, and in the team. But I'm curious how much he wants to speak that into the world. He's talked about competing for championships. But, you know, the question of how good Colorado is is a is an interesting one. I think it's worth a worthwhile discussion to have. I think it's a fair debate. Um, but this team is clearly competent and clearly good. Uh, and and what they what they look like when they hit the thick of Pac-12 play will be fascinating. And I do they just, they took care of business today against the Nebraska team that was overmatched and just played terrible football for a lot of the game. You know what I really liked about this game, Dave, from a from a Colorado standpoint. Travis Hunter played a lot of snaps, mm-hmm. but Travis Hunter didn't have to be Superman. It kind he of spread the ball around a lot. He caught that ball and ju- well, that was ju- a Shador play too. That was sick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying sick. that he didn't make make plays, but what I'm saying yeah. is it wasn't just like a one man show of two way player who was like, if that guy was, I feel like if Travis Hunter didn't play today, they still would have won. They definitely would have. Yes. And I don't know how many games. And I and I don't know how many games we would have thought we would have said that after watching them last week because he was so. He had such a heavy hand in that win. Um, so, you know, Colorado has Colorado State, and they have Oregon and USC back-to-back. So at least by October, we're going to know exactly what they are. Mm-hmm. But you keep going to these games, and they keep winning so far, and it's just a very s- interesting dynamic. Uh, I didn't think they were going to be this good. The fact that they are this good is a an ongoing discussion, and, you know, that's that. Shador well, Sanders people, again. People get annoyed – People get annoyed at all the noise. You know, there's tons of celebrities on the sidelines. The freaking Wu-Tang Clan is roaming around on the sidelines at Colorado today. You know, they have the turnover thrown. They're talking smack. You know, Shador's yeah. getting mad at them for standing on the logo in pregame. And, you know, people get mad at all the noise and all the flash and all that stuff. 
And then they show up focused and take care of business. And they were, uh, I'd say they were, you know, they were probably the more physical team today. I wouldn't say it was a butt kicking in the trenches, but they were clearly the more composed team that didn't shoot, you know, uh, their foot, you know, six times in one game. Um, the, the, this Colorado team through two weeks, Ari, they don't do things that cost you games. They let the other team do that. And then in the case of, you know, getting red zone stops against CCU last week, they make plays that win you games. I mean, Colorado, I mean, Nebraska, even if they don't do any of the comedy of errors that they did, they probably still lose this game by two touchdowns, maybe more. Um, and it's just, uh, you know, they, they gave away a lot of points in the first half and Colorado took advantage. And I think Colorado, they, they, I think, uh, Dion called it garbage in the first half. They really did not play well offensively and still barely broke a sweat against this Nebraska team. Um, and that's, that's impressive. Uh, Tony Yeo said this in the chat. Um, and I was thinking about it too, but Travis Hunter gets a lot of the, uh, attention for obvious reasons but Xavier Weaver Xavier Weaver and Jimmy Horn are like really good receivers too. Oh yeah, those are good players. I mean this listen, for all the skepticism around Colorado, the one thing nobody was ever skeptical about Skill. from any yep. coach I ever talked to is they got some receivers and they kind of like their backs. They weren't really sure about the backs. But Dylan Edwards has been a standout in camp, but everyone is like, "Yeah, they got some receivers. You know, we'll see with Shador. You know Travis is special, but they got some speed and they got some receivers." Are you going to the Colorado State game? No. We're TBD. We I think I know who will be attending that for us. I will not be there. I'll be at home. Okay. Um I just wanted to know if there was like a five game winning streak, but I'm I'm excited <laughs> to see like what Colorado does uh at Oregon in two weeks. That's gonna be very fun. But mm-hmm. certainly pass the test, and of course, Shador Sanders threw no interceptions in this game. Uh I thought he was very efficient again, very accurate. Uh, 31 for 42, 393 yards, 9.4 yards on attempt and two touchdowns, no picks. So Shador has seven touchdowns, no interceptions and almost a thousand yards passing in two games. Uh, I just, I don't know. I, I'm starting to get the sense too, that maybe we underestimated how efficient he could be. Maybe we, th- we thought he could have some, you know, top tier playmaking ability, but, yeah. and he didn't play very well today. That's kind of what's amazing. You know, especially in the first half, he looked iffy. I think I didn't have a lot of questions about Shador's arm talent, but my thought was when when people are in your face and you're having to run around, can you still make plays? He made a couple of those today. He looked a little shaky in the first half with pressure, um, but he's, you know, he he he's he's significantly above average. I don't know how good he is. He still can can get a lot better. Um, you know, his accuracy was a little shaky when he was on the move today, um, but. He is he is an impact player. There's no doubt about that. Do we just blast Nebraska into the sun until next year? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't really I just, know what else there is not, to say about that. This is not a team capable yeah. of doing a whole lot. I mean, you might trip and fall into a you know three wins in the in the Big Ten West just because you know that's just a that's a slap fight just about every time. You know, Wisconsin didn't exactly acquit themselves well today either. But this is not a team that, you know, needs to be taken seriously right now. You know. Okay. Well, there's a lot more noteworthy games. I don't think Nebraska is yes. going to be taking too much uh, more oxygen no. out of either of our lungs moving forward. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The other team in Texas that both of us thought might have a chance to be very good. Just a coordinator uh, Miami, away, Ari. One coordinator Miami away, and they're going to finally get it. <laughs> number 23, Texas A&M at home, 48-33. I don't know if it's an upset. They were only three-point dogs by the time the game started. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke, 374 yards, passing five touchdowns. Uh, not what I was expecting out of this. I was with you on the Aggies on here, Ari. I thought they're going to win the line of scrimmage. I wasn't sure what to make of Miami. Big time game from Shannon Dawson today um, at Miami. Uh, New offensive coordinator. They seem to have fixed the Tyler Van Dyke issue. It seems like he's back. Big time game against uh, an A&M defense that looked discombobulated, but still has a bunch of athletes. Uh, You know, three. We we got our our graphic up from from Cam. Three hundred seventy-four passing yards, five touchdowns. 12 and a half yards per attempt. That is wild. Uh, but I feel bad for AM fans who appear to have fixed the offense and now they've got a defense issue. And, you know, I, I, I don't even know what to tell AM fans at this point. Like, it's unfortunate. Like, all the, the great mystery of why AM can't ever get it together. I mean, it's sort of the same question we've had with Texas. Um, but there's no good answer for it. If I had the answer, you know, I'd probably be making 90 million, you know, guaranteed like our guy Jimbo is out there, but I don't, um, A&M has all the pieces and was, has a clearly a better roster than Miami and, and, you know, hung in this game, blew an early lead, but Miami ran away with it late. It did seem early at the beginning of the game with some of the special teams errors that Miami had that. Texas A&M was in a position to kind of run away with it potentially yeah. in the beginning. And then Miami, I think, returned to the kick for a touchdown. Uh, it's a blatant hold on that kick, but uh, nonetheless, they scored. I just – so I, I hear you say that Texas A&M's offense is fixed. I mean, giving up 48 points was well, – uh, it's good. 
I wouldn't say it's great. It's fine. Or really good. It's good. Their 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 offense is good. It's it's good. Can we give them good? Uh, yeah, I guess we can give them good. I, I guess okay. passable would be what I would give them. I I don't know if <laughs> their offense was lighting the world on fire for you know in in key moments of that game, but it's just another season of what the hell is going on in College Station and. It's like now another bigger issue here. A lot of people in the chat have raised this is just like you look at the SEC in general and it's like, is this a year where maybe they're just not the cream of the crop? Well, now, if I can, Ari, if I can offer a little bit of ointment on the A&M wounds. There's a possibility Miami's really good. Mm -hmm. Maybe Miami's like a top 15 team. I'm not going to rule that out. I don't know that we're going to get there. But Miami's looked really good through a couple weeks, and I, and if they fix the offense, they've got some athletes too. The ACC is not exactly a murderer's row. Clemson, they got plenty of issues. Struggled early with Charleston Southern today. Miami might be really good. So maybe we're looking at this at the end of I'll the year. I feel like 15-year-old Ari if uh, Florida <laughs> State and Miami are really, really good when they play, huh? Yeah, we'll see about, we'll see about Miami being really, really good, but they might be. So... A&M might have just lost to a really good team. Now, that's not going to help you, but I, 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 watching that A&M team today, I didn't say, well, this team is just careening toward another six and six, five and seven season. You know, maybe you, maybe you get to nine and three, eight and four. I think that's within reason, but I, I it, it doesn't seem like there's a disaster waiting. I just thought they didn't play very well, and Miami played a heck of a second half. Miami's schedule, Bethune, at Temple, Georgia Tech, at North Carolina, almost lost to App State on Saturday, but going on the road to North Carolina with Drake May, quarterback, is always maybe, mm-hmm. you know, challenging. Yeah. At home against Clemson, Virginia on the road at NC State. If they are a legitimate top 15 team this year, like you asserted as a possibility, there is a legitimate chance this team could be 8-0. Uh, or nine and zero going into the Florida State game. I'm there for it. I'm in. I'm in. I mean, That'd it's like fun. they're not playing anybody that they couldn't beat if they were yes. if they are that. Yeah. Now I know that you know, just like everybody else, they're prone to you know taking steps back, and you know you never. But I feel like the thing that is always interesting with Miami, and I guess Mario Cristobal teams, is that they have a lot of help. Uh, an emphasis on the lines. You know, they've got mm-hmm. better big fellas than a lot of the players. This is what he did at Oregon when he was in the Pac-12. And, you know, I thought Miami did a tremendous job uh, in the moments that I watched of this game, really hanging in there physically along the lines, which to yeah. me in the ACC could be a pretty nice little uh, situation for them as they continue to traverse their season. So the U's back, Texas is back, Florida State is back. What the hell? Welcome to 1995, baby. <laughs> I mean, that's the year where I was starting to create my first college football memories. It's kind of feels good about that. Um, okay. And we got into the, the next thing I, I want to talk about the Cy Hawk trophy. Um, Iowa 2 0 beat Iowa State 20 to 13. They need to average 25.2 six points per game for the rest of the year for Brian Ferentz to not get the Dr. Evil fire chair 
We're at um, 44 points. And they have games. 44 points through two games. And one I of had which, a pick six today. <laughs> pick six, which inexplicably counts towards the point total. It's not offensive points. I think it's just points. And <laughs> it is ironic to me and hilarious that Iowa is now 2-0. and uh, And if you look at their schedule, I don't believe they play Ohio State or Michigan this year. They could play branded Iowa football. Make the Big Ten championship game while not eclipsing 25 points per game. Like that is all on the table. Like they are they are 44 points in, including the pick six through two games. That's 22 points a game. Hilariously, a field goal less than what needed to be done. But they are also 2-0 and they won a rivalry game. Unpack this for me. Uh, it looks a lot like the same old Iowa, Ari. And you have the same Iowa old State. Iowa's good. Are they? I mean, they? they've won a lot of games there. I mean, it's not sure. like last year was yeah. hilariously bad. But what if they just do the this Iowa, Iowa State thing team that they're playing is as as a couple hands tied behind its back, and they still. I mean, these games are just not like I, this. I just can't do it, Ari. This is why I had my sickos game of the week. Like. I was kind of paying attention to this game. I just don't I don't want to consume Iowa offense. Like it's just Buddy it is Kirk Ferentz like said earlier in the board. week that his favorite win as Iowa's coach was a six four victory. I don't know who they were playing. Life's I don't too know short when that to happened. live your life that way, man. I can't. But listen to me <laughs> and just please just indulge me for a minute. Two and oh. They play at or they ha- they host Western Michigan next weekend. Then the weekend after, they play at Penn State, which I think we could say is probably going to be a loss. The remainder of their schedule is Michigan State, which on Saturday night, early Sunday evening, is is dealing with a pretty uh, significant story that is still kind of developing, and I'm sure we'll get to it on the on the podcast eventually, but not not tonight. Yeah. Uh, but Michigan State is kind of in a bad place right now. Uh, Purdue at Wisconsin. Minnesota, Northwestern, Rutgers, Illinois at Nebraska. That is a Murder, ten and two record. Murderers row. Do you? I mean, Ari, I just they're gonna lose. They're gonna lose some dumb ones. At least one or two in there. If you can't reliably score twenty four points, I don't think that this this defense is as good as it was last year. Iowa State is not a functional offense. You're playing without your starting running back, without your starting quarterback, who you lost in camp. It's unclear how much they knew or didn't know in camp about the gambling stuff. And, 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 you know, know, at the end of the day, they don't have the personnel. Like Iowa has played Utah state and didn't exactly set the world on fire. And this, you know, this sort of weird Cyhawk game with an Iowa state team that it feels like, you know, this is not the kind of season that they had envisioned. I mean, I'm still waiting on Iowa and it, and ultimately the offense does not look improved, which They've had two opportunities okay, just, just to look improved. Indulge me here. Okay. 10 and 2 Iowa, 23 points a game, Big 10 championship berth. That's out on the table. I would almost say that's probably like at least somewhat favorite. You never know what no. you're going to get in the no, Big no, 10 no, no, West. No, 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 no. Favorite for no, not favorite for no, not favorite for the West. 2 years ago they had the same type <clears> of <throat> offense. They lost two games in the middle of, the, middle of their schedule back to back, Purdue and at North or at Wisconsin. And they still made the playoff. I mean, sorry, the the Big Ten championship game because they played a bunch of games like at Northwestern, Minnesota, Illinois, Nebraska, and Maryland. 
Arnie, we are so going to get we are so going to get an eight and four Big Ten West champion, and you know it. It's going to be a garbage eight and four team that goes and gets sacrificed to Michigan. But isn't is it? But is the ten and two team that I just described? That's success, right, for Iowa? That's a successful year. Can <laughs> yeah, you, can you yes, possibly have? Yes. Can you have a successful year without meeting your point total? And if you do, how does that work? Don't they have a new athletic director? No, I think you have to fire Brian Ferentz and give Phil Parker all his money. I think that's what you have to do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, it's all I'm saying is I'm on the table for the drive to three three twenty five. I will be tracking it. You also have to attract that Iowa might win some disgusting games that Kirk Ferentz likes to wallow in. They did it today. I know, but they might do it. (laughs) I'm here for sneaky good Iowa. Okay. And and the good Iowa, that that means that Iowa internally thinks that they're good. It's the design. Um, If the Big Ten West champion has fewer than three losses, I will pass out, Ari. Okay. It happened two years ago. I don't know why it couldn't happen again. Uh, because lightning never strikes twice. Sorry. Next game. <laughs> uh, my Big 12 champion. I, again, Ari, I'd like mm-hmm. to reiterate that neither Oregon nor Wyoming is in the Big 12. I, I liked Texas Tech in this spot, Ari, and they did acquit themselves well. They went toe-to-toe with Oregon. I knew, you know... Playing in Lubbock is it's a tough place. It's at night. They played pretty well in this game. Oregon's a good team. They they kind of crumbled in the fourth quarter there. I don't love what we saw late. Uh, what we've seen late, really, you know, if if Texas Tech didn't have to play second halves of games this season, they'd be like a top ten team, right? Uh, Oregon's a tougher, better team. But I like that Texas Tech didn't sort of fold after Wyoming. I think they're still functional. I'm not so sure about their Big Twelve title hopes, but. Uh, a nice tough win by, by Oregon on the road. Uh, they they get the late cover there too with the pick six uh, in the last minute from Tyler Shuck. But you know it's a good win for Oregon, and I think you know Texas Tech. I think will still be okay, but uh, a rough start. It's it's hard to be sitting there at zero and two if you're Texas Tech when you know you could very easily be two and zero. Did this game count towards our Big Twelve standings? I'm told it did not. I just Googled it. No, Oregon is not. <laughs> Do you know who Oregon Texas plays next week? Still, un, still undefeated in the Big 12, Ari. Texas Tech. Do you who know who play Texas plays next weekend? I don't, actually. Weekend? I don't. You have no clue? I never look. I almost never look at the next week unless I got a story planned, but no. Wyoming. Really? They play Wyoming at home. Well, maybe if Wyoming wins that ball game, they'll get Big 12 membership and become the, you know, 26th. Here's what I'm going to say. 12. Good. You know, Oregon. That's a game you don't schedule anyway, right? Like, why are we scheduling this game? Going to Lubbock's a really hard place to do it. No, Ari, I get what you're saying, but I want to see more P5, you know. Yeah, no, I'm not saying I didn't like watching campuses. it. I'm just saying for, for Oregon's sake, that wasn't an easy but place to go play. But they have a quality win now. They have a quality win now, Ari. They got the win. Yeah, and what Texas I'm going to say is. probably going to win eight or, you know, maybe they seven, won, eight, nine games. They won and that's a on good the road. Win. It's a tough game to schedule. It's a hard place to play, and they got it done. And mm-hmm. it's another, like USC, and we're not going to go into that completely, but I think they beat Stanford by 500. Their defense looked really good again. Um, and, you know, we have some Pac-12 mania happening here, you know, and I'm like letting yeah. it happen. I don't want to overhype it. I just want it to occur naturally. 
And I think that we're in a position here where Utah came back and, and won a thrilling game against Baylor. Um, you saw the way that game ended, right? Uh, roughly. I left the press box and Baylor was up a touchdown. And then I uh, opened my laptop again while I was waiting for the Colorado press conference. And I was very confused. And then I went and watched the clips. I saw the turnover late. Tough way to go out. You saw the touch. You saw the interception. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that was a that was a real kick in the knackers, I think. But when you look at <laughs> the Pac-12, USC beat Stanford fifty-six to ten. Washington beat Tulsa forty-three to ten. Utah remains undefeated after coming back on the road. Another tough game uh, game on the road, and mm-hmm. the Big Twelve for a Pac-12 opponent. Uh, Utah wins. Oregon won. Uh, Washington State. 2-0 beating Wisconsin Call at home in Colorado is 2-0. UCLA is 2-0. Like we are, you know, California played Auburn pretty well. They should have won that game. Eight, eight drives inside the Auburn 40, 10 points today. Hey, That's were you insane. going on like a 45 second rant about how the Pac-12 is better than the SEC this year so we can clip it for Twitter promo? Uh, I believe the SEC is what two and six in their Power Five uh, matchups this year. Am I am I correct in that? The South that just not it does not mean more down here. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Here's another one. Notre Dame, NC State. The game was delayed for seven hours in the middle of it because of a lightning strike. Uh, but I thought that On Notre NC Dame State's new scoreboard, no less. Yes. Notre Dame took care of business again and is shockingly really good. Uh, wow. We have the actual lightning strike <laughs> footage here from cam. Cam is on his game. I'll tell you yeah. the producer role here. This guy <laughs> is just killing it. Day of delays. We had uh, Purdue and Virginia tech was delayed five and a half, five hours and 50 minutes. Dave, I told you it was my sicko game of the week. <laughs> I liked Purdue in that game. Listen, I'm I, I have sold all my Virginia Tech stock and it is is paying off for me so far. Yeah. But Notre Dame sneaky good too. I don't know. I'm looking I'm looking I don't think here. Notre Dame's sneaky good. I think they're just no, good. No, I think they're just good. And I think people yeah. are, I think people are gonna figure it out when they play Ohio State, but we'll see. I mean, if you kind of look here at the top fifteen in the country, I mean, Kansas mm-hmm. State, I believe, is two and oh. But you have Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Ohio State, USC, Penn State, Washington. Tennessee got it done. Kind of a rough first half. Notre Dame, Texas, all of a sudden, probably going to drop into the top five. Utah and Oregon and Oregon State. There's a lot of new blood in in the top half of the of the rankings here this year. And, you know, if Alabama is a, a, a lost team now, and, you know, I, I just think that there is a chance that we are going to get some new blood in January and the manifestation of how that happens. Oh, by the way. Your Tulsa, your Tulsa thought process, not Tulsa, sorry, Tulane thought process was almost close to coming true too. And they could have been with a, the backup a bid quarterback. With, with the, the backup, backup quarterback, quarterback, Ole Miss took, uh, you know, took a little bit of time to get there, but they got there. But man, there's just a lot of new blood out there, Dave. Mm-hmm. Well, it's good for the sport. I mean, we I, you could kind of see this coming to start the season, right? Or you look at the top four to start the year. Ohio State, Alabama, Michigan, Georgia. Three of those four teams are breaking in new quarterbacks. We saw Alabama get exposed today in part because of poor quarterback play. Ohio State, 
not exactly setting the world on fire thus far. We'll see kind of how that goes. Georgia, we have no idea. Um, but there's a lot of opportunity because there's a lot of turnover. You know, Alabama not only breaking in a new quarterback, two new um, coordinators as well. Uh, did not look like a playoff team tonight. Georgia, obviously talented. But when you have all that kind of turnover and all that, and, and USC, very flawed. We'll see if they fix the defense. I liked what we saw from them. What was it, 42 nothing? Stanford in the first half. Uh, that's what you want to see against a Stanford team that I I think has a pulse. Uh, it's forty nine to three at halftime. Yeah. So there, you're right about the new blood. I mean, it's not exactly uh, Cinderellas, but there's a lot of uh, potential. And and this early. Well, in Will the season, Cheney's we asking you, Dave, uh, why the redistribution of success? I think it's just a turnover from the big daddies. Like the heavy hitters in the sport, the ones that people said were, uh, you know, monopolizing all of the recruits and all that stuff. I don't think it's the portal explicitly or or whatever. I think it's just you're catching all these teams in a a transitional year, a rebuilding year, but a transition. And yeah. those transitions don't always go smoothly. And maybe they figure it out down the line. And maybe you know Ohio State is throwing for 500 yards a game and People can say, we'll be patient, we'll be patient, we'll be patient. You know, these things take time. And then we watch Colorado play, and I say, uh, do we have to be patient? Because sometimes it just clicks. And I'm not saying it can't, but I'm just saying sometimes be patient. Maybe that patience won't be rewarded. Maybe that guy just is not that guy. Uh, so, we'll, you know, Carson Beck, we we learned Jalen Milrow tonight is limited, as we thought. Uh you know, Kyle McCord, I, I just don't know what to make. We, they, they just haven't been tested yet. They're going to be tested soon. I watched the I'm Ohio State game on Saturday. It was, I saw a buddy of mine, Ryan Donnelly, tweeted. And I thought it was kind of an apt thing to tweet. But he said there's just no havoc on Ohio State's defense. And it's like they beat that Youngstown State 35 Relative to, to the 7. personnel, it seems hard to believe. It didn't seem like Ohio state was nearly as disruptive on either side of the ball as they should have been against a team like Youngstown storm. I mean, we're talking about an FCS team here. Um, Kyle McCord, you know, had his moments. I think he's clearly the number one quarterback there with Devin Brown also getting some snaps in this game. But I, I watched the first two uh, Ohio state games and I am very underwhelmed by what I've seen from them so far. So, you know, the thing that I've learned about them, you know, with my past covering them is that, you know, at times they look shaky in the beginning of the year and then they figure it out and turn it on. And, you know, sometimes it's an indication of what's to come, but I'm not buying a ton of stock right now in terms of them being my favorite to win this conference. Is a reckoning um, coming, Ari, or are I, they going to rise to the occasion? I think that they are not the favorite to win the Big Ten this year. So if that's what you mean by reckoning. Well, I mean, they got no, I mean, they got Notre Dame coming. I think they could lose that game. Yeah. I don't, I'm not saying lose that game, Ari. I'm saying embarrass that game. Get yeah, like a 35-14 situation. Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know about that. Maybe, you know, if you get into a game like that on the road uh, against a team that's clicking offensively, and you're kind of messing around with your quarterbacks, you're not very explosive. Like honestly speaking, and Will Cheney put this in the chat. Like I am on high alert 
for Michigan and Penn State this year because like mm-hmm. Ohio State just doesn't seem like peak version of itself. And I, I also did kind of find it funny that, you know, I saw, you know, I, I covered Ohio State for so long. I'm still in the Ohio State atmosphere on my timeline. And like watching <laughs> Ohio State fans like react to Quinn Ewers just lighting up Alabama on the road today was hilarious because he would be their starting quarterback, presumably, if he would have stayed. Um, and that might have been a little bit different, you know, situation for Ohio State had that happened. Now, I'm not like punting on McCord. I remember the first few games of CJ Stroud's starting tenure at Ohio State looked rough too, and we know how that turned out. But um, Notre Dame is a really good team. And as Ross McDonald here in the chat points out, we'll have to play Ohio State, Clemson, Duke, and USC this year, and if they only lose one, they're going to the playoff. So I think yep. that's probably a, a fair thought process. Um, Are we going to yeah. let's, 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 that, that, that Duke characterization is, is generous. Eh. You know what? I'll give it to him. All right. I'll give it to you. Yeah, I watched. Just, okay. <laughs> it's early. You know? I just, like, if you had to, like, with all the information that you have right now, mm-hmm. had to, like, give your four playoff teams, would your answer be different from before the season started? Uh, Do you even I remember had, who you I picked? Had, yes, I had Georgia, Michigan, um, Florida State, and LSU. Any amendments? I mean, LSU. I just want you to admit that you were wrong. Just L- yeah, admit it. LSU, we'll see. Give give LSU time. They got a lot more chances to to have some resume wins. And Alabama, not exactly world beaters. So the West, my West, the West was opening up for LSU today. Okay, they scored what seventy something points against uh, uh, the little sisters of the poor. I'm not sure who they played, but uh, it's they're. I'm, I I told you I'm holding my LSU stock, Ari, and I'm doing that. Um, but let's get to. Uh, Can I tell you mine? Other? Okay, who do you got, Ari? My four teams at the beginning of the year were Michigan, Georgia, Texas, and Ohio State. And I want to change my mind. I want to remove Ohio State from my Final Four right now, and I want to add Florida State. Can I do that? Can you let me live? Well, me and Vanini were the only ones to pick Florida State preseason. So you're not going to let me into the club? No, not yet. That would be my new updated thought process. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not, I like it. Florida yeah. State looks dangerous. Florida State looks dangerous. Yeah. And the ACC, so, okay. again, I, you know, with Clemson looking like the way they did, I, people thought it was kind of a toss-up going into the year. I personally did not, and it looks like a, you know, it looks like a, a, a Florida State romp for now. All right, let's get to another program in transition, a bigger transition. Wisconsin goes on the road. I thought they were going to have trouble out on the Palouse. They did. Cam Ward got it done. Tanner Mordecai looked pretty good. But Washington State, dynamic offense, slowed down the running game, which if you can do that with Wisconsin, you give yourself a chance. I I think Wisconsin's still going to be okay. I'm Yeah, I, we've we've... We've talked about the Big Ten West. You know, I think they're going to be in that group that has a chance to win it, but I don't know that they're going to get there. But going on the road against a Power 5 team early in the season, especially with as much change as Wisconsin has gone through, I thought they were really in trouble in this game. I thought Washington State was going to win this ball game. They did. What did you make of this? You know, I think that it was very easy for people to buy into the notion that Wisconsin is going to be a different program in year one. They go out and they make 
a tremendous hire and they are very aggressive about it. And I think that the aggressiveness of the transition that they decided to undergo instills confidence that the change is going to be fast because aggressiveness equals excitement equals hype equals expectations. Um, and it's just not going to happen that way as we found out. So, you know, I know that, you know, Wisconsin is, uh, certainly under this transition period, but I think it's just going to take some time before they get it where they want it. You know, it's like Tanner Mordecai can come in and he threw for 278 yards. It's a pretty good game for Wisconsin. Uh, they didn't run the ball very well, which I think is the most surprising thing. Yes. But it's like they're not going to turn around and just like win the Big Ten in year one. Like this is going to be a process. There needs to be an elevation of the type of athlete that comes into that program. Um, they need to kind of figure out who they are and what they want to be. And they want to figure out how to throw the ball and run it. You know, very good. You know, they they are never going to stop running it, but they've got to, you know, kind of find themselves in a better position than they were in right now. You can't win a football game at Wisconsin if you're running back. Chesma Lucy rushes 12 times for 49 yards and one touchdown. Like, it's just not going to it's not gonna happen for you, especially when you're playing a guy like Cam Ward on the other sideline, on the road, and by the way, in basically Idaho. Did you know that? Yes, I did know that. Pullman is I didn't, out there, man. I didn't know that Pullman was close that close to Idaho till like two years ago. <laughs> I have not been out there, but I have looked at a map. I I'm very confident in my U.S. geography, Ari. I did win the geography B when I was in like sixth grade. So you did? I did. <laughs> do you have any good geography facts for me? Uh. All right, you Peru can do that tomorrow. Had, Peru has two capitals. How about that? That is weird. Why? I don't know, but they do. <laughs> Will you Google it and let me know tomorrow on the Sunday Sound Off show? <laughs> I'll see. Yeah, sure. That's a. I mean, I feel like that's just like the definition of capital, like. It doesn't doesn't drive well. I don't understand what that means. We'll, we'll know more on the Sunday sound off tomorrow. Okay, let's go through some other results really quickly that I think is uh, needs to be mentioned. And if you want to talk about small pro, uh, programs getting attention, here we go. James Madison beat Virginia thirty six to thirty five, and are ten and three since joining the FBS. Um, Virginia honored the victims of last year's shooting, where three teammates passed away: uh, Devin Chandler. Lavelle Davis Jr. and Deshaun Perry. Uh, Mike Hollins, who was shot Hollins, during the incident, yeah. mm-hmm. rushed for two touchdowns. Um, James Madison, huh? How about that? It's tough because, like, you know, I went to Charlottesville after the shooting last, last year and spent, like, four or five days there writing about that. And, and mm-hmm. it is a resilient group, and uh, it, it's, it's a tremendous story, especially to see Mike Hollins come back. But you can't sort of hide from the fact that this is this is a team that is not in a, a great place on the field right now. And they've seen that. They took a beating from Tennessee last week and, you know, coughed up a lead. They should have won this game. They had their chances. And, you know, I, I don't know, you know, the Tony Elliott Virginia experience has been confusing to me. Uh, and I continue to be confounded by what, what I've seen in the first, you know, couple uh, couple years of, of that experience, but uh, it was very cool seeing uh, Mike Collins score twice today was awesome. Yep, a few other things to get through here. Fresno State extends its win streak to eleven with a thirty four thirty one win over Eastern Washington. Rice beat Houston in double overtime today, and 28 I think they were nothing. up went nothing. Yeah, twenty eight nothing. nothing. Coughed up that lead, go into overtime and win it, and. Uh, uh, I believe they have left the scoreboard on overnight in Houston to celebrate that victory. That's uh, 
that's something, man. Uh, Akron recovered a fumble with 52 seconds left in the game and took it all the way back to the house to avoid an upset against Morgan State. They won 24 to 21. And then uh, special inclusion here, Southern Illinois beat Northern Illinois 14-11 for the first time. Uh, FCS, FBS upsets this year. So um, a lot happening there. Okay, and now we're going to go out the door here. We're going to get some sleep. you got to be up in an hour. Uh, I have to be up in an hour or or 10 for the Sunday Sound Off show tomorrow. Um, locks of the week. Let's revisit it. I had A&M. Just horseshit read on my part. David, you had the <laughs> Al- Al- Auburn Cal over. I think that that hit. Uh, no, it did not hit it. Yeah, no, I know it hit. didn't hit. It was 14 to 10. You were, now, I will say Cal. We were 0-3 on our eight, locks this week. Yeah, eight times inside the 40 and 10 points you know if you're gonna fade the locks of the week that might you be, lost that might be a winning strategy. mitch sermons was 30 uh or stanford plus 30 they were losing to 49 to three at halftime our locks of the week were uh awful so uh thanks so much for you know lack of security there yeah yeah i mean just thanks so much for watching until saturday it's not called locks uh weekend locks Follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please leave a thumbs up. Hit the subscribe button on YouTube. If you're listening to on the podcast and you want to subscribe to the YouTube channel to see our beautiful faces, it's in the show's description. Uh, That's David Ubbin. I'm Ari Wasserman. We will catch you guys tomorrow. Thanks so much for staying up with us if you did. If not, tweet us your breakfast in the morning with what you're doing while you listen to the show. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks again. That was Until Saturday. Shout out to the Breakfast Crunch Wrap gonna ruin the show at the end okay